breaking news tonight. President Trump has fired FBI Director James Comey. There's breaking news coming out of the White House. President It's Trump May 2017, barely three months into Donald Trump's presidency, and the Russia story was blowing up big time. A stunning development that seemed to come with little warning. The Justice Department is appointing a special counsel to take over the Russia investigation. Mr. Mueller's purview will be the entire Russia issue, the whole question. At the very moment the news is playing out nonstop on television, Trump's allies in the political world and the news media were crafting a very different version of events. And it had nothing to do with the Russians. Instead, it was a story rooted in an unsolved murder on the streets of Washington and a giant deep state conspiracy to cover up the crime. Tonight, another massive breaking news story. Explosive developments in the mysterious murder of former DNC staffer Seth Rich that could completely shatter the narrative that, in fact, WikiLeaks was working with the Russians. Within eight days, the explosive story that set Sean Hannity off would be retracted and stricken from the Fox News website. It was a huge black eye for the conservative news network. But how did this embarrassing episode come about in the first place? What role did the Trump White House play in pushing it out? And why, even after the fake story was taken down, did it continue to fester in the dark corners of the Internet? I'm Michael Isikoff, and welcome to Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land, the untold story of Seth Rich, a special six-part podcast brought to you by Skullduggery. In this podcast, we're exploring the story of how one man's senseless murder on the streets of Washington was shamelessly exploited for notoriety and crass political purposes, an example of how conspiracy theories flourish and infect the body politic in the brave new world of social media. This is episode four, Fox News Fiction. It had been eight months since DNC staffer Seth Rich had been shot and killed on the streets of Washington, D.C., in what the police were convinced was a botched robbery. But as the lead detective on the case told an investigator for the Rich family that spring, the police investigation was, quote, somewhat stalled, with no suspects, no persons of interest. The lack of progress helped fuel wild conspiracy theories from people like Alex Jones of InfoWars. So what really happened to Seth Rich? Well, we know Hillary likes to kill people. We know she's got a long history of having her henchmen do it. Those fanciful ideas at this point had received little mainstream media attention. But they had gotten traction inside a building where conspiracy theories were flourishing like never before. Donald Trump's White House. So it's March 9th, 2017, and I'm writing to Steve Bannon, texting with Steve Bannon. Ira Rosen is a veteran producer for CBS News' 60 Minutes. He, like many reporters, had noticed the internet buzz, claiming there was something dark and nefarious about the circumstances surrounding Seth Rich's death. So he reached out to Steve Bannon, then the senior counselor and chief strategist to President Trump. Rosen figured, for good reason, that Bannon would dish about anything he might have picked up about a government conspiracy to cover up Rich's death. In the conversations I've had with Steve, he tended to go towards conspiracies. He liked conspiracies, uh, and he believed in them. He talks about the deep state. He talks about uh, black ops. But there's one thing about talking about it when you're running Breitbart, and there's another thing when you're talking about him as being the senior presidential advisor. So Rosen put the Seth Rich question to Bannon, 
in a series of text messages he shared with us. I write Steve Bannon, there is a story going around that the Podesta hacking was a disgruntled insider who sold the emails for money to WikiLeaks. Have you heard that? The supposed Russian hack of the Hillary campaign headquarters. And Bannon writes back, the kid that got shot, question mark. There wasn't any question about who the kid was. And I write, kid's name was Seth Rich. And then he writes back, heard about him, huge story. He was a Bernie guy. And after another brief exchange? Bannon wrote me back. It was a contract kill, obviously. It was a contract kill, obviously. Yeah. He's trying to whet my appetite to actually go chase the thing. When you see that from a senior White House advisor, it was a contract kill. How did you react? I reacted the way any reporter would probably react, which is, oh boy, I better check this one out. And so... uh, I use that as sort of, if you will, there's something here to this story. Even though I don't live in Washington anymore, I still have some pretty good police sources uh, and also FBI sources. And I kind of checked the landscape a little bit and realized that there really was nothing there. What I ultimately concluded was that this was a diversionary tactic. He was trying to spin a counter-narrative. And Seth Rich fit perfectly within that counter-narrative. But if Rosen dropped the story, there were others who were prepared to pursue it, thanks in part to the freelance meddling of our next quirky character in this saga, a charismatic Dallas money man with connections at Fox News, as well as at the Trump White House. I am Ed Butowski. I'm a wealth manager based in Dallas. Butowski makes his living managing the financial affairs of professional athletes. Just like Jack Berkman, the D.C. lobbyist we told you about in the last episode, Butowski relishes the media limelight. If you go to his website, edbutowski.com, the first thing you'll notice are the words as seen on, followed by the logos for ABC, CNBC, CNN, NBC News, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, CCTV, and Fox 4. He's an occasional commentator on Fox Business and an inveterate political kibitzer, having served on a so-called Citizens Council to investigate Benghazi. At the GOP convention that nominated Donald Trump, Butowski was seen in the box of Sheldon Adelson, one of the biggest of the party's megadomes. We are going to make America great again with Donald Trump! When questions were raised about Russian efforts to help Trump in the election, Butowski jumped headfirst into the controversy, determined to replace the mainstream media's version of events with an alternative one. Butowski claimed he got a hot tip about a supposed connection between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks and decided to track down the Rich family to tell them about it. I went on Facebook and said, does anybody know anybody Jewish in Omaha? And miraculously, through my 4,000 friends, somebody did. I said, can you make an introduction? He says, yes, I know these people very well. They belong to my temple. Here's Mary Rich, Seth's mother. Well, it was a friend of a friend. Someone he knew contacted someone we knew. And we did give Ed Bukowski a call to see what he wanted. On December the 17th at 3.01 Central Time, 2016, I spoke to them for the first time. He had told us he was in the financial business like a stockbroker and that he did very well. And if you're a stockbroker, you you take a vote of ethics, not just in your professional life, but in your personal life. 
And my husband looked at it as he was a, a deeply religious man, and he would be honest. Even so, the riches were startled by what they heard. He had told us that a friend had gone to visit Assange, and Assange had told them that Seth had done it. The very first phone call I had with Mr. and Mrs. Rich, they confirmed, we know what our boys did. That Seth Rich had leaked the emails to WikiLeaks. Not leaked, sold them. The Riches say that's nonsense. Joel and Mary say they told Butowski, we know what our son did, meaning he would never do something like sell emails to Julian Assange. And the Riches had a good reason to tell Butowski this. The Washington police had examined Seth's laptop and concluded there were no signs of any contact with WikiLeaks. We said it can't be. It's not true. It's, it's no, that's not what, Seth didn't do that. And Ed said that Assange had said it was sent through an email. And I said his computer has been fully checked and there isn't any emails that were sent in that regard at all. Ed called back to say that it was done by Dropmail. Dropbox. And thank you, Dropbox. And we checked, and no, there was no Dropbox either. And we told Ed that. And then Ed told us to look for the money that Assange had paid. And we said, trust me, there is no money. Both Joel and Mary adamantly deny this account. Yeah, I, I can't speak to that. I don't know these people. I can just tell you what happened. So um, I can't tell you why these people would say something that was different than what they said to me. Butowski was not to be put off. On the contrary, his interest and involvement only grew when he had a very strange phone call from the last person you can imagine, well, the last person I can imagine, to be involved in this story, legendary investigative reporter Seymour Hirsch. A lot of this stuff just seems bizarre, but Michael, this is exactly what happened. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Butowski says a former U.S. intelligence official who had been a longtime source for Hirsch urged the reporter to call him and exchange uncorroborated leads about what they had heard about Seth Rich. According to Butowski, the ex-official had told him... He said, I got a friend named Cy Hirsch who actually has done a lot of work on this and can't get anybody to publish his story. Hirsch, of course, is one of the most renowned journalists of our time, a ferocious investigator who broke monumental stories ranging from the My Lai massacre in Vietnam to the torture at Abu Ghraib prison in Iraq, a man who gets immense satisfaction in uncovering scandal and exposing official lies. He had become convinced the U.S. government account of Russia hacking in the election was one of those lies, started by Barack Obama's CIA director, John Brennan a theory he eagerly shares with Butowski on their phone call. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, and you're just going to have to trust me. I have a narrative of how that whole fucking thing began. It's a Brennan operation. It was an American disinformation. I mean, all bullshit they were telling. We should point out that Hirsch was being, dare we say it, overly conspiratorial here. The idea that Russian agents had hacked Democratic emails wasn't invented by John Brennan. It was the official conclusion of every U.S. intelligence agency that examined the issue, and that finding was later ratified by special counsel Robert Mueller. 
Now back to that phone call, which, unbeknownst to Hirsch, Butowski was taping as the reporter spins out another bizarre narrative, this one about Seth Rich and a supposed secret document. Rhino comes off an FBI report. Uh, he makes contact with WikiLeaks. That's in this computer, and he makes contact. All I know is that he offered a sample, an extensive sample, you know, I'm sure dozens of emails, and said, I want money. Okay. That later, WikiLeaks did get the password. He had a Dropbox, a protected Dropbox. Uh, and they got access to the Dropbox. He also, this is also in the FBI report. Hearing all this, Butowski gets excited. But I want to stay focused on one thing just for a moment. You, yeah. you saw a report? You saw no. the FBI report? No. I have somebody, I have somebody on the inside. You know, I've been around a long time. I write a lot of stuff. I have somebody on the inside who will go and read a file for me. And I know this person is unbelievably accurate and careful. He's a very high-level guy. He'll do a favor. Having told his Seth Rich story, Hirsch now is in the market to get some information back from Butowski. Tell me what you know. So I, My pen is out. You're not in the middle. I'm not quoting about anything. I know that. What do I know? I, I know that Julian Assange told a friend of mine who met with her that he got the emails from Seth Rich. And he told Whoa. her, and they're very personal friends. I initially just wanted to let the parents know because they should know what happened to their son. So we'll and, go ahead. And that's why I started getting really into this because then the, then the whole thing came up about the hacking with the Russians, and we solve a lot of problems, especially letting a mother and father know what happened to their son. And second... Um, we solved the problem about Russians are the ones that gave the emails because that did not happen. I know that did not happen. Butowski presses to be able to see the FBI report for himself. I'd like to have a, you know, anything at all, but most importantly, this is one of the most well, important... Well, what do you mean you'd like to have a wine? Well, I'm, what I'm saying is I, I would love to uh, see if, if they had it. I mean, there's no reason not to see it, but the most important thing is this. Everyone... In, there's so many people throughout Trump's, um, you know, four years and maybe eight years are always going to fall back on the idea that he's not legitimate and the Russians got him elected. This changes all of that. Butowski again urges the journalist to give him something he can pass along to his friends in the White House. I want to get this. I, I, I can't. I don't play politics. But you get I, it to I, me and I'll do I, it. I, I have a... A, a great history in getting things in the, getting things out there where nobody knows that I'm the one who did it. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to give you something to go to the White House with. That's not what it's about. By the end of the conversation, Hirsch thought he had made a couple of things clear. I can't get the report. I cannot get the report. And he's not prepared to stand by the story he had just relayed from his source. That doesn't make it true. I understand. It doesn't make it true. I'll call you okay, back. So let's, let's talk later. Right the Cy Hurst thing looms large, I think, because for the people working on this story, he obviously carries a gravitas, and it's exciting to have him as part of the merry band that are thinking about this stuff. David Folkenflik covers the media for NPR. In 2017, he investigated how the media was dealing with the Seth Rich conspiracy stories and the role that Butowski and Hirsch's phone call played in fanning it. The crazy thing about the conversation is uh, how differently those people at different ends of the phone call viewed their conversation, right? Both of these guys 
come to a phone conversation primed with the belief that the other would yield extraordinary uh, new insights that would fuel further coverage or, or uh, revelations, not realizing that the other guy might not have hard information. He's talking with seeming certainty about conversations he's had with the source. And yet, at the end of the conversation, as captured in the recordings, Hirsch is saying, doesn't make it true, may never have happened, we don't know. I guess it's a little bit like, uh, you know, some of those uh, uh, supposed muscle building supplements you got, used to get at those mall stores, you know, where they're like, by the way, this hasn't been evaluated by the FDA, so don't take us too seriously. For all Folkenflick's admiration for Hirsch, the journalist's comments in the phone call troubled him. I don't think it's how you or I approach reporting. I'm uncomfortable with the idea that you're dangling something in front of somebody that's not true, particularly with specificity. Hirsch declined to be interviewed on Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land to discuss his phone call with Butowski. But he emphasized to us that he never published anything about the supposed FBI report because he never had any corroboration that such a document actually existed. More importantly, in a previously unreported exchange a few months later, he told Butowski the same thing. Ed, you have a lousy memory, he wrote in an email before he knew the phone call had been secretly taped. I was not read anything by an FBI friend. I have no first-hand information, and I really wish you would stop telling others information you think that I have and that I have no reason to believe is accurate. Cy Hirsch absolutely, 100%, told me he spoke to a person at the FBI. You just listen to the audio tape and draw your own conclusion. And he can say whatever he wants, but all because he says something doesn't mean what I'm saying is not true. What I'm saying is 100% true, and it's recorded. There's not much more I can say about it. But doesn't it raise a question about what he told you if he doesn't stand behind it? He says what he told you is not true. No, not at all. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, and buts about it. He's retracted what he said in that tape. You, you, you can't retract something that's on a tape. Speaking of discrepancies, what about that friend of Butowski's, the one he told the Riches and Hirsch about? Julian Assan told a friend of mine who met with her that he got the emails from Seth Rich. Butowski wouldn't talk about his friend with us, but he told others about her, and we tracked her down. It turns out she remembered a totally different version of events. Hello? Uh, Ellen? Yes. Hi, it's Mike Isikoff. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good. Ellen is Ellen Ratner, a talk radio host and the sister of the late Michael Ratner, who was the U.S. lawyer for WikiLeaks. How do you know Ed Butowski? So we met in the green room at Fox News Channel, and he's a conservative and I'm a liberal. Right. <laughs> it was just green room chat, and, um, you know, he knew people I knew from Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I'm from, and that's how we got to know each other. The Saturday before the 2016 election, Ratner did in fact meet with Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy in London with other members of her family. One of her brothers wanted to know... Why are you releasing things about Hillary Clinton but not about Donald Trump? And he said, I'm not getting things about Donald Trump or else we would. 
Remember, just a couple of months earlier, Assange had teased the political world by suggesting that Seth Rich might have been the source of the leaked DNC emails. It was a way to deflect from how WikiLeaks really acquired them from a Russian military intelligence online persona called Guccifer 2.0. But Assange had never explicitly asserted a link with Rich, and according to Ratner, the subject was never even discussed when she met with him. Did Seth Rich come up at all? Not at all. No, I'd never heard of this character. Really? No. This whole comment that Ed Butowski has been telling lots of people that you told him that Assange said that Seth Rich was the source of the DNC emails, that's not true. It, it didn't even come up. I am telling you that that did not happen. Not at all. Not at all. After we taped this interview, Butowski went public that Ellen Ratner was indeed his supposed source for the Julian Assange conversation about Seth Rich. And he released a couple of text and email messages that he had with Ratner that he claimed back up his story. But we reviewed those messages, and they make no references to Seth Rich whatsoever. If Butowski had garbled or completely misrepresented what Alan Ratner had said to him, it didn't stop him from trying to make the most of what Cy Hirsch had first told him about a supposed FBI report. Convinced he had a smoking gun, Butowski sent the riches a copy of his secretly recorded conversation with Hirsch. And I sent it to Joel and Mary Rich, and they never said thank you. And it really bothered me. It just bugged the crap out of me that they didn't say thank you. So after three weeks, I just randomly thought, man, did these people even listen to this thing? From the beginning, the Riches had concluded there was no reason to pay attention to any conspiracy story Butowski or anyone else was peddling. But they were still determined to find out who killed their son. I needed to hire a private investigator. And I was adding up trying to figure out how in the world we could ever afford it because we couldn't. And... Lo and behold, Ed Bukowski calls and says, you really need a private investigator. And I sat there and I went, oh, God, don't say this, don't say this. And I did. I said, I'll pay for it. And I have no idea why I said that. So then this is where everything in my life changed. So Butowski agreed to foot the bill for a private investigator. He then reached out to Rod Wheeler, a retired D.C. detective who also, conveniently enough, was a paid Fox News contributor specializing in crime and law enforcement. Butowski sent him a text which read in part, Behind the scenes, I do a lot of work, unpaid, helping to uncover certain stories. My biggest work was revealing most of what we know today about Benghazi. I'm looking for assistance on something that happened in Washington, and I would appreciate it if you would give me a call. Wheeler agreed to take the job. It was a crucial step that would soon help Butowski get the attention of America's biggest cable news network. Here is Wheeler talking to an online website called Crowdsource the Truth. They brought me on board to investigate a murder, which is what I like to say I, I do best. To be sure, there were red flags about Wheeler from the start, due to a history of making oddball claims such as this 2007 appearance when he told Fox's Bill O'Reilly about a new crime epidemic plaguing the country, pistol-packing lesbian gangs. 
there's this national underground network, if you will, Bill, of women that's lesbians and also some men groups that's actually recruiting kids as young as 10 years old. We've actually counted just in the Washington, D.C. area alone, that's Washington, Maryland, and Virginia, well over 150 of these crews or gangs or networks. Now, the other thing, too, that our viewers are going to find very, very interesting is the fact that they actually carry, some of these groups carry pink pistols. They call themselves the packet, the pink pistol packing group. After law enforcement officials dismissed the threat, Wheeler apologized, saying he had inadvertently referred to a horde of lesbian gangs that actually didn't exist. Although some Fox producers and even one anchor we spoke to were wary of Wheeler and reluctant to put him on the air, by the end of March 2017, he had become a go-to commentator on the Seth Rich case, giving this update to the local Fox station. Our next guest, Rod Wheeler, he's a former D.C. homicide detective and Fox 5 News contributor who's now working with Seth Rich's family. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Allison. Why so few leads in this case? Right. The police don't have, I, I don't think the police right now, the detectives have a clue in terms of who caused the death of uh, Seth Rich. And I think that's one reason, Allison, why the family has engaged me and my company to, uh, to help the police look into this a little bit more. It's possible, and I underline the word possible, that it could have been related to his job okay. to some degree or relationships with the job. Don't know that for sure, but as investigators, we have to go down every path until we can determine who was responsible for his death. Then Butowski brought in yet another member of the Fox News family, a reporter for the website named Malia Zimmerman. During the 2016 election, Zimmerman reported on what she said were hundreds of disgruntled FBI agents griping about the handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Here she is sharing her story on the Fox News show On the Record. They believe that there was enough information to charge Hillary Clinton under the Espionage Act for mishandling and disclosing classified information. And they believe that not doing so was based on politics and not on law. What kinds of things are they saying to you? They're very disappointed. They feel like the agency has been polluted. So uh, I think at an, it's really at an all-time low in terms of morale. And they're embarrassed and they feel like they've been betrayed. At this point, all three of these players, Butowski, a Fox business commentator, Wheeler, a Fox News contributor, and Zimmerman, a Fox News reporter, were united in their goal, trying to find evidence to support the version of events that Hirsch had spelled out in that secretly taped phone call. By mid-April, this mission led Butowski and Wheeler straight into the Trump White House. And I called up Sean and said, hey, can I come by and see that Sean is then White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer. He and Butowski were on a first-name basis. Mainly, I just thought it'd be cool to go inside the White House. I had never been there. Butowski asked Wheeler to come along, telling him it's a chance to make an impression for a future job in the Trump administration, but also a good time to brief the White House about the intel they had been gathering on the supposed connection between WikiLeaks and Seth Rich. He asked Wheeler to make sure he had some talking points. So I told him, hey, why don't you have a write-up? You can tell Sean what you've been doing. And when we got in there, the first thing I said to Sean was, hey, thanks. I appreciate, you know, being here, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is pretty cool. And his office was kind of cool. And he said, yeah. And I said, hey, Rod's been doing something on this. And you might want to know about it, be, you know, based on what Cy Hirsch has said, because everyone's coming after Trump about breaking into the DNC. So Rod Wheeler shared with him what he had. According to Butowski, Spicer showed no interest. 
immediately, immediately, Sean Spicer said, Eddie, I have nothing to do with this. I don't want to know about it. I wouldn't know what to do with it. I don't want to talk about it. Shut it down immediately. Spicer wouldn't talk to us about the meeting. But two years ago, he did tell NPR's Folkenflick that he brushed Butowski and Wheeler off, telling them this isn't a White House thing. But Wheeler related a different version when he spoke to CNN's Chris Cuomo. We had this meeting. We, we met for about 10 to 15 minutes. Sean Spicer said, I'm not sure how I can help with this investigation. He said, Rod, if you want to talk some more about this, or maybe you, if you want me to put you in touch with somebody at the Justice Department, he gave me his business card. He also gave me his personal cell phone number. This is what he gave me. And he said, if you need some more help, give me a call. I've never called Sean Spicer after that, but that's the truth, and that's what happened. Wheeler's investigation hit a speed bump on April 25th when he met with Joe Della Camera, the D.C. police detective in charge of the case. Della Camera told him that the investigation was somewhat stalled with no suspects or persons of interest, according to Wheeler's written memo about their meeting. Della Camera also threw cold water on the idea that Seth Rich was murdered because he had leaked the DNC emails to WikiLeaks. Quote, I've got nothing to say or to show that the shooting was related to emails or anything other than a street robbery, end quote, he said, according to Wheeler's memo. Not only that, Della Camera told Wheeler that as far as he knows, the FBI had nothing to do with the Seth Rich investigation. I was never contacted by the FBI at all, he said. I don't have any knowledge of them being involved. That was not, to say the least, what Ed Butowski wanted to hear. Look, you, you can't uh, look what I've learned about this and so have many others. You can't trust one thing. All I can tell you is Washington police can say whatever they want to say. All right. But Butowski and Wheeler did hear something promising from Zimmerman. On May 10th, the day after FBI Director Comey was fired, Zimmerman claimed she had talked to an anonymous federal investigator no indication of who this person is or even what agency he or she works for, who had supposedly seen an FBI report documenting emails between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks. It was a big break, if true. Zimmerman knew, however, she needed more for the article to pass muster. So who did she reach out to? Rod Wheeler himself. He would be her on-the-record source confirming this explosive news. And Malia kept calling me saying, why won't he call me so I can confirm this? Butowski decided to turn up the heat. On May 14th, he left a provocative voicemail for Wheeler. Hey, Rod, it's Ed. A couple minutes ago, I got a note that we have the full um, attention of the White House on this. And tomorrow, let's close this deal. He also sent an eyebrow-raising text to Wheeler that said, quote, not to add any more pressure, but the president just read the article. He wants the article out immediately. Notwithstanding the plain wording of his text, or the meeting with Sean Spicer, or the interest of Steve Bannon, Butowski now says he was just joking about the White House's interest in the case. But whose attention at the White House did you have? attention at the White House. I was teasing with him to tell him, let's get this thing done. I, there was not one person at the White House. It was me helping Rod and encouraging Rod to return Malia's call. So basically, Ed, you're bullshitting here. I was bullshitting with Rod, of course. 
I've never spoken to the president in my life. I still haven't. I don't know the president. Never spoken to him, never met him. Do you know, do you know Steve Bannon? See, here you are. You're, you're, a, typical, you're a typical left-wing reporter. <laughs> Wait, Ed, I'm I just asked you. Question. Do I know Steve Bannon? Of course I know Steve Bannon. I appeared on Steve Bannon's radio show two or three times. Hold what, on, why would hold you do on. that? Ed, hang on yeah. a second. The reason I asked you that is you said you had no connection to the Trump White House at the time. No connection. Steve Bannon. I hadn't talked to Steve Bannon for two years. Was a senior strategist at the. I hadn't talked to Steve Bannon in two years, Michael. The truth is, I hadn't talked to Steve Bannon in two years. Did you ever discuss the Seth Rich case with Steve Bannon? I haven't talked to Steve Bannon in four years. Okay, you just said you two. You see what you're doing? You're yeah. a typical left-wing liberal no. media person no. by bringing Ed. that up. Whatever the truth here, the invocation of top-level White House interests seemed to have worked. Wheeler signed off on a couple of quotes for Zimmerman's article that appeared to confirm there was some sort of email exchange between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks, and that the D.C. Police Department was covering it up. Here's Wheeler telling what happened on the website Crowdsource the Truth. The information that I got about the source was developed by the Fox News Channel reporter, Malia Zimmerman. She called me. She said, Rod, we got this new information that there's this FBI guy, a former FBI guy, a federal investigator, and he said he knows for a fact that emails went from uh, Seth's computer to WikiLeaks. I said, is this guy credible? That's what I asked her. She said he's very credible. And I said, and that's confirmed. She said it's confirmed. Okay. Hmm. The next day, before Zimmerman's story is even published, he gave an interview to a reporter for the local Fox affiliate in Washington that set off an explosion. Today, Fox 5 has learned there is new information that could prove these theorists are, in fact, right. New information from the family's private investigator suggests there is tangible evidence on Seth Rich's laptop that confirms he was communicating with WikiLeaks prior to his death. The Rich family hired Rod Wheeler, a former MPD homicide detective, to run a parallel investigation into their son's death. Wheeler says he believes there's a cover-up and the police department has been told to back down from the investigation. The police department nor the FBI has been forthcoming. They haven't been cooperating at all. I believe that the answer to solving his death lies on that computer, which I believe is either at the police department or either at at the FBI. I've been told both. But you have sources at the FBI saying that there is information that could link Seth Rich to WikiLeaks? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's confirmed. Actually, it wasn't confirmed at all. But that didn't deter America's most watched cable news network. Next on Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land, the cable network's anchors and guests jump all over the story. Explosive new developments tonight in the murder of DNC staffer Seth Rich, who was murdered last summer. It turns out it wasn't the Russians. Uh, It was this young guy who I suspect was disgusted uh, by the corruption of the Democratic National Committee. Until it blows up in their face. The network retracted the story Tuesday. Fox says it was not subjected to a high degree of editorial scrutiny. That's episode five, Fox News Fallout. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land. 
we need to give a couple of shout-outs here. First, to my Yahoo News colleague Alexander Nazarian, who thought investigating the conspiracies around Seth Rich's murder would be a good idea for a podcast. Thanks also to my Yahoo News colleagues, Charity Elder, Dan Clydman, and Mark Seaman, for their helpful ideas, as well as to the folks from Long Story Short Media for their invaluable help in producing this podcast. Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land is brought to you by Skullduggery, a weekly podcast that I host with Yahoo Editor-in-Chief Dan Clydman. In each episode, we dissect the latest revelations and controversies surrounding the Trump administration, and we interview key newsmakers, including some of the president's fiercest critics, as well as his most stalwart defenders. If you're enjoying this series, subscribe to Skullduggery and Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land to listen to all our episodes and leave a review.